what you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Friday, August 26th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. This is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off-duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the My Pillow family. Well, the summer sales just keep on coming. I'm wearing my version 2 Airlandells today. Just found out yesterday we got a promo code for the all new My Mattress. Yeah, that, what? Yeah, we don't just have to worry about pillows and Giza Dream everything anymore. Now it's like you're sleeping on top of Mike Lindell. <laughs> In addition to that, the coffee's dropped. When you enter promo code steak at checkout, you're going to get big savings. MyPillow.com forward slash steak. Everything sleep related. If you like the coffee items, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. And if we ever get to the point where you're eating the bugs, there might be my apartment. Mm, my pods. <laughs> the top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, allowing Jesus to take the wheel. I feel like it's inappropriate now. I like oh. it. Get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's licensed FFL. If you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada... He's also got a five-star rating. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for Breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us is the website. You can find him on Instagram. You can find him on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or via the website at SteakforBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Getter and True Social. Oh, welcome. Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 164. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. Hello. Not bad. 
Guys, we got a great show lined up. Breaking news regarding the Trump affidavit or lack thereof as we speak. In addition to that, we're going to have some great guests, America First interviews, and one of our favorite guest hosts, Geisha Montes. Before we get into any of that, let's just kind of jump into the news. Oaks, I wanted you to hear it right from me. We put out a plan to bring relief to millions of working and middle-class people with student oh. loans. Here's what you should know. We're going to forgive $10,000 of federal student loan debt, keeping my campaign promise. For the people who need the help the most, the folks who went to school on Pell Grants, we're going to forgive a total of $20,000. We're going to target this relief. Help is going to go to people making less than $125,000 a year. Next, we're going to give anyone in undergraduate loans a chance to sign up and cap your loan payments at 5% of your monthly income. I also want to make sure folks have enough time to transition back to paying regularly. So we're going to extend the student loan pause one final time through December 31st of this year. There's a lot more here, more than I have time to say in this video. But I'll leave you with this. Our middle class families deserve... It's going to leave you a deuce? Mm. It's the whole reason I ran. And this plan will give opportunity to millions of families who need it the most. <laughs> God help us. More than I have time to say right here. I mean, they could just edit it so it would all fit because that's what they're doing already. They're editing out all your crackhead eyes. Mm. Welcome to Steak for Breakfast. <clears throat> Hi. <laughs> hey, Noah. Antoinette. Hi. Hi. Hey, guys. For those that joining yeah. us the first time today, Geisha Montez is here. Yes, baby. You're welcome. <laughs> I miss you. Where have you been all my life? We miss you too. For our listeners that are tuning into a geisha themed episode for the first time, you're gonna thank us later. Um, She's the best. I love her. Oh no, stop it! Not today, man. I'm sick. The all-time no, queen of, of guest hosting duties and one of our family members in regards to this show. Mm-hmm. She's been there since the uh, day one, the garage days. And that was Joe Biden yeah. yesterday. Um, well, they haven't yeah. put an official price tag on it yet, but it's going to cost. They're tossing out the three hundred to five hundred billion dollars. Well, and they're already saying there's there's people that are coming out and saying that the potential downfall to this is that it's going to cost all the taxpayers like two thousand to twenty five hundred bucks each. Well, I mean, isn't it not in a sense? No, I mean it's going to yes, but I mean just people are I mean people are already coming up with numbers when the government isn't really sure how much it's going to cost yet. Trillions, yeah, trillions, trillions, trillions and, yeah. and we're going to get into that. But before we really start to dissect this, which is what our our first new segment is going to focus on today, it's the student loan forgiveness. So we did the Inflation Non Reduction Act. This is going to be the November Buy a Vote <laughs> Forgiveness Act. Because that's literally what this is. This this is what it looks like when when essentially a, a communist country buys. It's like the last thing before they force you to vote for them. They well, they, they buy try to buy you. Unless you're a fucking idiot, there's been crickets about this the entire time. And now that magic midterm season's coming up, here we go. Oh, yeah, remember that shit that I promised you that I was said I was so gonna do, and and you know the thing. Hey, that's like, why he ran, Jack. I, listen here, fat. <laughs> It's so predictable because they're targeting, targeting also young people. Yeah. Yeah, This is like a, uh, 
That's yeah. their only hope right now, man. Like that anyone with a little bit of mindset might like uh, struggle liking him, even if you don't know anything about what's going on. So it's it's better to try to target the young generation or you know those those kids who don't even know anything about the history of the U.S. and and, and how do we become who we are and and everything. Um, so and, and you've seen it with all the the stuff that's happening in the schools and and in general. It's really funny because. Well, Geisha, as someone, you immigrated legally to the United States. You went through the process, became a U.S. citizen. Obviously, you and your family paid for everything. Good thing you're not doing it now because you'd be waiting five extra years. That's true. But or do- I could just go around. Oh, there you go. Huh? <laughs> the old wraparound. For trip. free. Yeah. And I will be giving like a, I don't know, like a card with money and everything. Oh, my God. A free phone. Huh? Yeah, and a voter card, too. <laughs> yeah. If you're in New York, for sure. But, you know, for someone who's done it the right way, how awful is it to see the government just kind of blanket throw money at people who literally don't deserve it? These are people that have not taken care of their business. They went and got gender studies as their their major, and now they're a barista at Starbucks <laughs> spelling everybody's name wrong and, and getting mad when you don't tell them their, they, their pronouns correctly. And, and now Joe Biden's just going to start... And and there's some there's some hidden th- so ten thousand dollars but there's up to twenty thousand dollars and they said or more for other now they're just targeting minorities yeah the most ill affected by like uh, you know the economy of college you know, what what I could say that bothers me the most is uh, the unfairness for everyone in general not only those who do their process legally and and by the book. Like in my case, I did that. But then also to all the Americans that right now, when you see the country and you see what is has like slowly become into like how the crime rates is increasing, how people are just struggling to try to like pay a mortgage to try to just just to afford a living um, and all the worries, all the depression, all like that unfairness that this that, that should be taken care of are put on a side and then, you know, bringing in. Um, it's, it's, it's sad, you know, it's, it's hard. And I think it's very unfair. Um, and then also like some people can work uh, collectively together as well. When there's a lot of corruption, you know, you can just bring immigrants and they will vote for you. It's a way easy way. And I always remember what happened in my country as an example that we started to see that as well as um, a way to just, just simply buy votes. It's a very common thing uh, in countries like mine. We just straightforward have seen how they will give identifications very quick that that's something that they will try to do, which is what we're seeing now, how they want to not, you know, vote without uh, an ID that's ridiculous <laughs> and like stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it's like it, those are the type of things that, that bothers me a lot to see that it's happening here in a country that's so important that we keep things by the book, that we try to do things right. Otherwise, people suffer. And what are we seeing? A lot of suffering. A lot of suffering. And I think the biggest question that comes with all of this Money, and we're going to talk about all the money that's going in different directions all over the planet in the last couple of days from the Biden administration. So I'm sure Noah's missed her. You got to remember, bout with COVID, day back to work, second bout with COVID, 10-day <laughs> vacation, sign the Inflation Non-Reduction Act, back on vacation, and then come back yesterday for this shit show of uh, student loan non-forgiveness. And we haven't heard from KJP in a while. Good. Make up for his like vacations. Yeah. Well, guess what? Just just when they want to start talking about all the stuff that's tied for schools, or okay. tied to schools, and that's her specialty, you'll never imagine this. 
Dr. Jill Biden came down with a boomerang case oh. of COVID yesterday. Oh. Is that the Australian version? Mm, good day. In a world without KJP. <laughs> you got to do it with an Aussie accent, though. Oh. Uh, you're, you're great. Crikey. There you go. Crikey. They were back in the White House press pool yesterday, and Peter Ducey was ready to get to the bottom of how could we afford such a massive handout? <laughs> Let's hear it. About the student loans, how can the country afford such a massive handout? Yeah, well, you know, uh, Ambassador Rice said that she's happy to have that discussion. I'm happy to have this discussion as well. Of course she did. Uh, Look, if you look at what this president has done, Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at the end of this this coming end uh, end of the fiscal year, $1.7 trillion (laughs) that we have uh, brought down uh, the deficit. That matters. That matters. And if you look at the Inflation Reduction Act, it's going to add another $300 billion going to uh, To uh, bring down the deficit again. And you might spend three hundred to nine hundred billion dollars extra so you can do that and not uh, but here's the, the thing deficit. here's the thing what we are trying to do here trying to we do are doing this responsibly uh, you heard directly from the president uh, this is something that is going to be important for middle-class Americans when you think about 90 percent of the folks who are uh, who are going to actually benefit from this are making seventy five thousand dollars or less and you think about what Republicans did just a couple of years ago what they do uh, they they signed off on a two trillion dollar uh, trillion dollar tax cut for the wealthy no. and did not provide any way to pay for for that and for that again here's what we have done here's what here's a lot about how much it might cost it might not cost who is paying for this <laughs> what we are saying yeah. is the the work that this administration has She's done like, Peter, the look work at the that the Democrats and Congress has done is actually there and you <laughs> see that the 1.7 trillion uh, deficit in deficit uh, deduction that you see is is going to benefit us in being able to do something for the middle class to do something do. for the middle class this is a about doing something for people who make less than $125,000, $1.7 trillion. That's what we've been able to do. But when you forgive debt, you're not just disappearing debt. So but, who is paying for but, this? And then I'll give you the second part. We lifted the pause, right? We're going to My lift second the pause, response. Uh, at the end of this year, which is going lie. to matter, right? Which is going to offset uh, a lot of what, what we're doing as well. Uh, when you think about the, the $4 billion that are going, that's going to go back uh, into, as, as revenue, back into uh, this process of folks uh, paying, paying, right, their college tuition, that matters as well. So we are doing this in a smart way. We're doing this in a way that's going to be effective. Uh, We're doing in this a way that keeps to the president's promise on giving people who need some breathing room, who needs some breathing room. I just I just laid out I just no. laid out for you. No, Peter, I just laid out for you how we're seeing this process and why this her. matters. Again, I just laid out I just I just laid out because of the work that we have done in the economy, because of the American Rescue Plan, uh, because oh of uh, the Inflation Rescue Reduction Plan. Act, mm. and because all of this work that this president has done is actually has brought down our deficit by 1.7 trillion dollars, unlike what Republicans did when they added to our deficit two trillion dollars and did not care 
at all or thought about how this was going to be paid for, they did not actually put in a process or thought th think about how we're going to do this in a smart way. This is not how this administration is doing it. All right, there you go. No, break that one down. Uh, Who's going to pay? <laughs> Republican. She couldn't speak Republicans correctly. Oh, my gosh. Joe Biden looked extremely uncomfortable sitting through all of that. Like he wanted to step in and uh, they wouldn't really let him answer any questions. But well, I as, wonder why, because they don't have somebody to edit it all together right there. As he was folding up his note cards and getting ready to take off, he did have two very interesting sound bites. First one is crystal clear. The second one, no, I'm going to need you. You are a Joe Biden translation specialist. Uh, but, <laughs> but the first one right here is uh, tying into what's going on today. How much advance notice did you have of the FBI's plan to search Mar-a-Lago? I didn't have any advance notice. None. Zero. Not one single bit. Thank you. Mr. President, is this unfair to people who... And he would go on, on that talking point right there. Uh, mm -hmm. No, I'm going to need you to uh, bust it out for me. Is this unfair to people who paid their student loans or chose not to take out loans? Is it fair to people who, in fact, uh, do not own multi-billion dollar businesses to see why these guys get them all attacked? Is that fair? What do you think? What about people who pay their loans, so struggle to pay their loans, and now others don't have to? <laughs> and he just closed the door. <laughs> Wait, what? He just closed the door? Is, is it fair for people that have all the big businesses and all the, they take out the, the billions of dollars in loan? Is it, is it fair for them not have to pay? And they're all just like, what? And he's just like, what's that over there? And closes the door. Well, it's like KJP, <laughs> KJP's response to one of those things. It's like, oh, well, we're going to give these people the money, which they're going to be able to pay. And it's like, are you really just about to say that it's going to go back in the pockets of the fucking rich people that run the country? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, shit! She like throws a number. She out literally there. almost just like, uh, oh wait, no, I can't say that. Yeah, I can't say that. Look at the graph. Yeah, look at this graph. Looks like, <laughs> look at this graph. <laughs> it looks like Geisha Montez's camera icon, big red line. Mm. Wait, what? <laughs> Denied. <laughs> For our listening audience today, we we are not being blessed with the uh, the camera of Geisha. We just oh. have the words Geisha Montez. The next one, I promise you. <laughs> I, and I will, not only I'm going to put it on, I'm going to put it on and I'm going to dress up. How is that? Oh, there they're, they're, they're extra peeves because I, I vote for Armadillo. I've been on camera as well. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and also, for our listening audience, we, we were being treated to a stock photo of Antoinette, not, not human form on the other end of the camera. So I'm sorry, guys. She looks very serious, though. So I feel like I'm being scolded every time she pops up. I I woke up thinking today was Wednesday, so please, like, understand that my week has it's not. And you, maybe what part of the world you're in right now? It's Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday somewhere. There you go, Larry O'Connell. I'm sorry, Larry O'Connor, who's a senior editor for Town Hall, um, kind of broke this down, and it's pretty interesting. So you know. The biggest war in the history of wars is going on right now somewhere on the planet. Not in America, and Where? we're not directly involved. Where? Ukraine. Oh, that's right. We're still doing that? Well, it's vacation season there, but apparently we're still doing it. My vey. Really? Am I leave for a month, and then all these chaos happen, and Biden goes on vacation, and, like, we're running out of oil everywhere in the world, and, like, we're still giving money to Ukraine. Now, I saw that this guy in the U.K., he's, like, begging people, like, we have to, like, give them money and stuff. And um, Yeah, it's interesting to see that. Yeah, but, but Larry O'Connell breaks down how – so – you all remember, and we're going to hear it, Nancy Pelosi just a few months ago got up to the podium on one of her Drunk Friday interludes 
and and told the American public that Joe Biden does not have the presidential authority to forgive student loan debt yeah. because they were hammering on it because this was before any of these shit bills went through. She was hammered? She always she? is. She had a little Did you her. see the meme where uh, it was like Nancy Pelosi looking extra shit-faced and it's like Nancy <laughs> Pelosi brings up the idea to forgive bar tabs next? <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. But uh, one one thing one thing people aren't talking about enough of is how Joe Biden is using some bending of the literature in a post nine eleven law mm. to be able to well basically buy votes. I'm sure this guy's going to uh, elaborate a little bit better than I can. Let's hear it. And Joe Biden has unilaterally and unconstitutionally granted so-called student loan forgiveness of up to $10,000 for millions of college-educated Americans. We will forgive $10,000 in outstanding federal student loans. In addition, students who come from low-income families, which allowed them to qualify to receive a Pell Grant, will have their debt reduced $20,000. Now, I'm sure you're wondering to yourself, how can President Biden do this? Because we know what Nancy Pelosi said about this back in April. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. Mm. And she was right. So how did President Biden grant this so-called student loan forgiveness to so many college-educated Americans? Well, if you weren't mad already, you're going to be really mad now. He used a thing called the HEROES Act. According to his education secretary, Miguel Cardona, the HEROES Act authorizes the secretary to waive or modify any statutory or regulatory provision applicable to the student financial assistance programs if the secretary deems such waivers or modifications necessary to ensure at least one of several enumerated purposes, including the borrows all you get the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. A law that was enacted after the terror attacks of 9-11 specifically to give relief to Americans in the wake of a disaster or a time of war has now been employed to give student loan forgiveness 21 years after the fact. How did he do this? What was the rationale? Well, he says that the COVID-19 pandemic, get this, is still the same kind of national emergency that we saw in the days after 9-11. Ask yourself this question. Why didn't President Biden do this the first week of his administration? I mean, he promised during the campaign yeah, that he would crickets. get student loan relief. So why wait until now? right before the election. Mm, the fact boom. is, the fig leaf that is the HEROES Act is a complete and total lie. This has nothing to do with a terror attack, it has nothing to do with an act of war, and it has nothing to do with a national emergency. Remember when everyone went crazy because President Trump discovered $3 billion in the defense budget to build a wall on our southern border? That was the defense budget, and that was a wall on our border. It made perfect sense. This thing's going to cost possibly more than 10 times the amount of that wall, and they're pretending that this is no a, big bring deal. It up to and here's one last item that should really tick you off about this. COVID-19 is no longer a national health emergency. You know how I know that? Because President Biden himself, in May, declared that it was no longer a national health emergency. That's when he waived Title 42 that allowed the Border Patrol to deport many people trying to cross the border illegally under the guise of the COVID-19 national health emergency. He waived that so the border can be open again. So if there's no health emergency on the border, why is there now a health emergency to give college-educated Americans $10,000 of free government money? 
Now, normally right here, I'd say, don't get mad, just go out there and vote. And uh, well, I do want you to go out there and vote, but I want you to stay mad. Stay mad. Yeah, it's, it's such a shit, shit show. All right, so if we're going to, are we going to start adding uh, this bullshit money to the border wall numbers? Let's keep it on Ukraine for right now. Yeah, I mean, so we're at uh, 17.2 border walls mm-hmm. worth of Ukraine aid. Cash hypothetically aid speaking. Yeah, hypothetically speaking, if we added that money to it, you said 27 something? Yeah, it would be, you said 10 more border walls. So it's <laughs> amazing. So this whole this whole thing is just idiotic. So it's it's ten thousand dollars for regular Joes, right? Uh-huh. But for somebody with a Pell Grant, it's up to twenty. Yep. Mm-hmm. And basically, the Pell Grant is a subsidy the the government provides for students who needed to pay for college. Like those grants are limited to students that have financial need. They haven't earned their first uh, bachelor degree, stuff like that. Yeah. So lot- it's literally pandering to. Exactly what you said. Yes. Young voters. I yeah, mean, 100%. The Heroes Act, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, and the Heroes Act, that's just fucking disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But Some votes are more expensive than others. That's how it yeah. goes. Well, if we're going to do this, how about they let us vote on what bachelor degrees and what majors or whatever you want to call it. How dare you. Actually get money. <laughs> and we'll do it on a sliding scale. So your your gender studies um, major with the minor in underwater basket weaving, minor, low end of the scale. Minor in pronouns. Minor in pronouns, perfect. Uh, that was that is that English? That's English degree. That's that's also, you know. You sound like you're joking about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if in this, you know, whatever bill, whatever they're trying to do, that's like one of the things, like in order to get your student loan or whatever, you have to uh, pick one of our careers and then you'll have all these like wokeness. In oh, the yeah. list. Like I those, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, Instead of something that makes sense where this yeah. is useless and completely void of any benefit to anybody or the job market for that matter. Exactly. <laughs> We're only going to pay the ones that took the that bullshit happens. ones. Yeah, so all the the student loan stuff is just completely ridiculous because when you look at it, all of these all of these loans and stuff like that, like if you do any research whatsoever when you're about to go to school, like you could literally Google top 10 worst majors for getting a job or any iteration of that, and you will get from the early 2000s till now of people telling you that, I mean, I hate to say it, but gender studies, fucking useless. If you make a fucking mistake, if you make a fucking mistake and you go to college and you wash out, you, you go to school for, you know, some bullshit degree and you, and you just don't follow through, you party, you join a you you know you join a frat and just fucking beer bong the entire time and mm-hmm. then like your parents are paying for it and you got a loan, but you got the loan just so you'd have party money. Like go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. That's not my problem. It is now. How about all the people who you know you're gonna start paying off like the mechanics that have a snap on tool truck uh, bill? No. So they could do their fucking job. No, it's the kids that aren't working. It's fucking bullshit. It, it certainly is. Yeah, we're we're gonna see. So two to three thousand dollars per person. Is the low end three to five hundred billion dollars? But there there are forecasts that say this could go all the way up to over a trillion dollars, which would put it anywhere between eight and ten thousand dollars taxed 
Well, and it's going to be a sliding scale of mm-hmm. what they're going to give because they're going to be basing it on what they think they need for the next election. Which, like, and it's going to be an astronomical amount because they're just, I mean, if they actually think they have any chance of winning against anyone, like they're, they're anybody, fun. we could put anybody up there and they'd probably fucking win. Yeah. Well, it, th- that question actually did come up yesterday. KGP wasn't going to get off easy. She was tag teamed by two reporters at the same time who literally wanted to know, like, how can you even propose this and say it's happening if you don't even know how many people are going to apply? And if a lot do, how are you going to pay for all of them? Let's hear it. Nice. You could say this is how much it's going to cost if everyone who is eligible applies. I, I, I mean, don't have a, I, we just don't have a, a number to share at this time. Why don't you? Look, the secretary, uh, the, UN ambassador, the former U.N. ambassador spoke to this yesterday. We just have to see. It is a process that we just need uh, to, take, to, take a, to take a look before we can answer that question. We just don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But I guess what I'm struggling with, and I think some of my colleagues have asked about is... Yeah, you asked the same you, question yesterday. This is nothing new, right? You, this is a summary. Oh, okay, but you picked up on what he was saying. But so. I was going to say, if you don't know how much it's going to cost, how can you guarantee that it's going to be paid for, even if you're defining paid for in a way that some of us have questions about. Mm-hmm. And that makes perfect sense because you, you're, what if it gets to be such an amount that it's not possible to pay? And no surprise, one of the people that they keep invoking throughout the course of all of the, Ambassador Susan Rice, mm. one of the architects of Spygate yep. and the Russia hoax, uh-huh. is <laughs> now using post-9-11 law to... Like we said, if essentially by voters, that's literally where we're at with this. And did she, I mention that's really disrespectful to use the Heroes Act for this? Yes. Did I mention it? Yes. Do you think I mentioned it enough? No. Fuck. Yeah, exactly. The White House doubled down on attacking critics of student debt because obviously, you know, the Republicans are going to come out. Do you want to know what they're? I know you guys haven't seen it yet. They've they've been using the official White House account. So any Republican or conservative who came out and spoke against this is like, this is absolutely fucking ridiculous, absurd, ridiculous, unregulated spending. They started screenshotting. And reposting it from the official White House account? Saying how much of their PPP loans throughout the course of COVID were 100% forgiven by the federal government. That was their pushback. Wow. So if a congressperson or their family owned a small business and throughout the course of the pandemic applied for a loan, got it, kept people working, kept families intact, kept food on people's tables, and provided service, they're now being demonized as like, oh, we can't give $10,000 to students, but we gave $188,000 to Andy Biggs or whatever, to Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, she's got like a whole bunch of fitness centers that she broke all the COVID restrictions, kept open during COVID. She got like $200,000 and they fucking, you know, gave her a loan. But it's because she provided a service. Well, and as rich, I mean, as rich as a lot of these Congress people are, like that's an astronomical amount of money. If you're going to try to keep a small business or not even a small business in her case, probably like a pretty good chain. But you want to know what's funny when you start doing the Dems, Nancy Pelosi, Kim Kardashian, Beyonce, Jay-Z all averaged $2 million in PPP loan. Oh, they got more than the Republicans did by miles, but they don't talk about that. Yeah. Because this is all about, oh, they don't want... See, the Republicans just don't want it because they don't, they don't want you to forget your loans forgive. We know you can't pay. And then the thing is, that they say talk out of both sides of their mouth. We're giving everybody $10,000, and then the loan payment pause is over on New Year's Eve of this year. 
And she's like, oh, yeah, it's going to stimulate the economy with, with like $4 trillion or $2 trillion, whatever she said it was, which is not the case because in this economy, if you think people are going to jump right back on board fucking New Year's morning and say, oh, shit, I haven't paid my student loan in two years. Let me drop $800 a month into my fucking student loan repayment right now because Joe Biden wants to take the pause away from the pandemic. It's ridiculous. They're going to cause even more debt and inflation. And the White House... Department of Education, well, the Education Secretary, he was also one of these people that they rolled out. And, and his whole thing, instead of getting behind this and talking about, like, any logistics of it, wanted to push back on the PPP loan forgiveness that conservatives got. You know, since last July, we have forgiven, uh, under the statutory terms of the PPP program, uh, more than $350 billion worth of loans. I can already hear what those are qualifications loans are. that the government has forgiven turned into, turned into grants. And those are loans, by the way, of up to $10 million per business owner. Uh, now, look, we, we believe that providing support to small businesses is the right thing to do. We didn't design PPP. Maybe we would, we would have designed it a little bit differently if we were in charge. But broadly speaking, providing support to small business uh, is a priority of the president. But look, has, has any Republican in the last year stood up and said, inflation is really high. You guys should stop providing this loan forgiveness to PPP recipients. Yeah. You should slow it down, uh, because it, or or you should change the rules because it's unfair that these people should get up to ten million dollars in grants. No, in fact, it's the opposite. Uh, the pressure that we've gotten from Republicans on the Hill has consistently been do this faster, make it easier for people to get forgiveness. So uh, our our view is why is there a double standard here? Why is it, from the pr- perspective of Republicans, great to forgive a loan of up to ten million dollars to a business owner? But if we want to provide $10,000 or $20,000 in loan relief to a teacher or a bus driver or a nurse, all of a sudden it's socialism. That's, that's what doesn't compute from our view. We don't, we don't think that that's consistent. Mm. No, you look infuriated. <laughs> <laughs> How about if we just didn't shut everything down and fuck up the country? Yeah. How about we just didn't print free money for everybody, and now we're forgiving the free money? We're just like erasing money we printed. We're not even erasing it. We're just moving the, we're moving the red and the leisure to a different line, which is. Is still there anything? Oh, sorry. Is there no. anything you would like to tell people based on everything we're seeing happening, like all this money being thrown from the early stages of coal shit or, you know, since, since the pandemic and everything, we've seen how, how much money just keep keep coming, Ukraine, into law, like, you know, the inflation. Is there anything you would like to, let me just ask Noah in this case, because, you know, we can see the fire coming from his eyes. Can you tell us what should we do or what would you recommend people to do um, to prepare themselves for this uh, shit show? Um, you know, because we continue to see more and more. And, uh, yeah, like the question is who's going to pay for it? What, what can a person do when it's so overwhelming, so so crazy that, like, at this point, I think, like, people just feel like they're going to groan naked on the street and screaming. I don't know. I don't know what I, I'm, I'm in a stage where I'm not even in the country anymore because I'm like, well, they're killing themselves. I'm just going to take a break for a little bit um, because it's going to get bad. Smart you know, that's how I see it. I, I think I think everybody just needs to expect a certain level of unrest to happen in the country. And we're going to see chaos on a level exactly. on a level we have not seen yet because you keep doing stuff like this and you keep encouraging people to basically commit crimes without any 
any issue whatsoever. Just, oh, you know, I'll get released right away. Or they just won't even bother to show up because the police are so downtrodden and beaten by, you know, just all the bullshit they're dealing with. I mean, eventually they're going to need, uh, as close as we get to the election season, they're they're going to need to step up the game because it, they're not going to be able to sit back and watch themselves lose. They're going to have to do something to either suspend elections or at the worst, just try to just torpedo the country the rest of the way. Just so like, you know, we've talked about before the next uh, people in, in office spend four years, just unfucking the place. Yeah. Like, you know how you say that there's a um, good times create weak man and stuff, but we got to a point where people even forgot how to stick up for themselves, how to sure. like do something. I, I, I deeply feel that that's the situation where we're in and we don't know how bad things are going to get for people to actually start doing things, um, to, to organize, to just, uh, get, you know, just, just stop this shit show because I, I just, I'm just shocked. Uh, you leave for a few days and then when you come back and you see the news, it's just like, holy damn crap. How bad is it going to get? Like, what else are they going to keep adding to this madness? So we make it stop. Now they're trying again. Now it's like the election time. So everyone's trying to like buy votes and pretend to be the good politician and stuff. But it's like, come on, um, something is going on and it, it can get bad. But anyway, uh, yeah, something's going to happen that's worse. Yeah. The, I mean, they're, they're going to have to find something to lock us in our homes again, whether it's mass rioting and martial law or mm. another bullshit pandemic. It's once in a generation, though. Mm, there's been a lot of once in the generation things. The 45th president of the United States weighed in on this. Oh, good. Via a Save America message. Nice. I'm going to read it now. Joe Biden and the radical left Democrats have just orchestrated another election-enhancing money grab, this time to the tune of at least $300 billion, just like I predicted, and it's coming right out of the pocket of working-class Americans who are struggling the most. Crippling inflation, unaffordable energy prices. Remember, we talked about that. Natural gas is at $10 now a gallon, the highest since 2008. And war, all things that should have never happened. But if that wasn't enough, now Americans are bailing out college administrators who fleece students and those who opted for degrees there was no way they could afford. America is a nation in decline, and the cliff into oblivion is within sight. Stop voting Democrat. Make America great again. I think, no, you, that sounds like a good one, right? Yeah. All facts? I mean, if, you, if you're seriously considering voting for these people, and I'm... I'm definitely not speaking to the right crowd if you're listening to this podcast because you, you, wouldn't, you probably wouldn't have lasted this long. Hey, we've been dunking on Don Lamont all week. No, I guess that's true. But, mm. I mean, you probably wouldn't have lasted, you know, through the fucking intro, let alone our commentary. But okay. if, if you are somebody who's listening and you are actually considering voting for the death of this country, then, I mean, you probably should have... Uh, moved to Canada when you said you were going to when Trump won. So they changed it a little bit. Remember, vote blue no matter who? Yeah. Well, they, they don't like that because a lot of people troll them online. So now it's just vote blue in 2022. Mm-hmm. So it's not everybody. Yeah, exactly. It's not no matter who. Tucky weighed in and piggybacked off of that narrative of Donald Trump talking about this is what the root of the problem is. These kids are all getting fucked over by college administrators and admission offices and guidance counselors because 
they're getting put into these majors that just there aren't jobs for in the real world. And uh, really broke it down dollars and cents wise. Let's hear it. So these administrators are the very beneficiaries of the single greatest scam currently underway in the United States. We send tax dollars to colleges who don't need them in the form of government-backed loans. But instead of lowering tuition for you, they they, they hike tuition every year at a rate far faster than the rise in inflation. Then they use those profits to hire more useless, unhappy, anti-American administrators, all while failing to give your kids even a basic education in anything that's worth something. Mm -hmm. And then, because all of that isn't insulting and destructive enough, the government rewards them and exempts these very places from paying taxes. In our tax code, universities are treated like charities, though they are very much not charities at all. And if you pay the bill, you know. But they don't pay taxes. And that's why their endowments are bigger than the GDP of some countries. Yep. Harvard's endowment is over $41 billion. Yale's over 30. Stanford and Princeton over 25. University of Texas, bigger than them all. So it doesn't matter what they call themselves. These places are not colleges or universities. They are hedge funds with classrooms attached. (laughs) And if there's anyone in the United States that doesn't need more government money, it's the higher education lobby. But today, Joe Biden threw them more. He decided to give these colleges, these hedge funds, more of your money. And you shouldn't be surprised because he just rewarded his private equity donors, and there are many of those, by preserving the carried interest loophole. That just happened earlier this month. Your taxes are going up. They're paying half the rate that you are. So today, Biden announced he's going to force taxpayers to cover $300 billion worth of student loans. Now, you may remember that the Inflation Reduction Act was supposed to reduce the deficit by $100 billion. Oops, sorry. (laughs) There goes that, 3X. Biden also announced that his voters don't have to repay their loans anytime soon. Certainly not before the midterms. There you go. Well... Antoinette, hedge funds, colleges, you hear some of those endowments, University of Texas, 70 billion, Harvard, 45, Yale, 30, and then Joe Biden. I I don't know if our listenership is all aware of this. The major credit card companies, MasterCard, Discovery, or Discover, Visa, they're all based out of Delaware, one of Joe Biden's home states. Whichever one is convenient for him, he picks. He gave them all a break. To where people are only paying the companies, not the people who are making their credit card payments, the credit card companies to the government, they're only paying half the taxes now because of the pandemic, because of paused payments, because of non-payments. You know, they're not getting their money, so Joe Biden's giving them a break. And, uh, yeah. So is it a pandemic of the unbatchelorated? (laughs) Of the delinquent (laughs) paymented? (laughs) Listen, we could go back and forth on this forever, but I think there's only one person that we could end this segment with that is most appropriate for the guest we have on today. The governor of Big Dick Ronland. Nice. Big Dick Ron DeSantis. Ron Dick Island. Caught wind of this yesterday at a, uh, well, he was doing one of his events. It looked like it was for, let's see, what does it say on the podium? Toll relief. Who knows what that means? Probably something against Dr. Fauci. Mm-hmm. He did catch he did catch a little bit of heat this week for saying someone needs to grab that little elf by the collar and throw him across the Potomac, <laughs> which which brought some fire memes to, to the forefront. But you know, he he broke it down to the hardworking blue collar middle class people, the people that live in Florida that make that state run, and how this student non forgiveness act is just an absolute bunch of bullshit. Let's hear Big Dick Ron. 
it's very unfair you know, to have a truck driver have to pay back a loan from somebody that got like a PhD in gender studies. That's not fair. There you go, That's Noah. not right. And so, um, and then you also just have the fact like, if you're gonna talk about debt, then you should look at, okay, who has benefited the most from all this exorbitant debt that's been taken out over the last generation. It's the universities. They have bloated administrative budgets. They have all this, although in Florida, since I've been governor, no tuition increases at our state universities. We haven't allowed that. Because all it does, all it does is they plow it in and they will, they will expand like the DEI office or something else like that and it has no real impact on the quality of the education when they're raising the tuition. It just creates more administrative bloat, and that's been going on, and the colleges and universities have gotten a free ride at this. So, you know, my view is, is you know, if you're gonna do some type of student loan, you know, uh, relief, it's not really relief, because people are still paying for it, but the people that should pay for it are not the American taxpayers, it should be the universities should be responsible uh, for Facts. that. If they're producing people, they went deep into debt, and their degree is not worth anything, and they're not able to make enough money to pay it back, uh, well then that's on them. And they've had an incentive to get more and more loans taken out and then put it in their pocket. So we should look at these universities, but what Biden is doing, uh, it's gonna cause more inflation, which is what you just had one of Obama's economists come out and say, this is the worst time to do this. Yep. It's gonna fuel inflation. This is not good policy. Obviously the fairness and all that uh, is very important, uh, but it's not a good uh, fiscal or monetary policy. Um, and so, so you see that, but then you also have the fact that they're doing that with zero reform to the universities and the loans and everything that's happened that's clearly way, way out of whack. Uh, so, and then, you know, I think this is still important. Some people uh, uh, may not care as much. He does not have the constitutional authority to do this. He is. He's a little fired up. Yeah. And he makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, this is listen, you have the Inflation Non-Reduction Act and then this student loan non-forgiveness, both hitting the floor late November. Holiday yeah. season, empty your shelves, inflation rates high. The cost of heating your home this year, you know, Noah mentioned it last week that we're not heating homes yet, but natural gas is one of the things that help make our agriculture sector throughout the entire country run. Yeah. And, and they're just getting creamed right now. Not to mention those propane forklifts. <laughs> Gotta love them. Um, I didn't know I was with a f forklift <laughs> royalty right now. I don't think we congratulated you, did we? Did you get your certification? Yeah, of course of he course. did. You got it. It's, really, I knew it's it. a really big forklift. I like how people were in our comment section like, we want Noah back. <laughs> no, I know. I know. That, that's exactly what I was thinking. The, the forklift I driving actually floats. Oh, I like it. Yeah, it's an amphibious forklift. <laughs> Hydro forklift. You know what? And, to, and speaking of Noah being back, we do have to mention it. We didn't get to do it at the top of our show. Kind of just jumped into it because this is an important narrative. Not in the big scheme of things. We know there's other breaking news. We're going to get to that in news too. Um, but we wanted to thank our listenership a lot for all of the hard work they've done of helping make our show great. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate the fact that you guys are – keyed into our narrative you are enjoying our slate of guests 
and the narrative that they're bringing a lot more formal, a lot more personable, a lot more of what most of the other podcasts and new shows are missing out there. Uh, you know, I mentioned it, I think on the show, I know I told Noah offline too, but you know, you talk to people like Cash, he likes coming on this show because he could drop some F-bombs. He could call out the people that he knows to get called out. You know, when those guys get thrown on Fox News or any other legacy, you know, media outlet, they get basically get told what they're talking about. They have little time to reply, and the, the hosts want them to, like, vomit as much facts about what they're talking about to feed the narrative of their show instead of what, like, the actual points might be. You know, you don't hear stories about Rick Grinnell almost fist-fighting James Comey. Uh, behind closed doors in the White House or, you know, Cash Patel talking about how all roads lead to Russiagate on everybody else's show. You hear it here. Um, You don't get to hear former congressman, leader of all things, judiciary, Devin Nunes dropping F-bombs on Greta Van Susteren's show. He drops them here and and so on and so forth. And, you know, just to have our uh, podcast be vaulted for the first time ever through the top 50 and all the way up to it's Friday – you know, and, and we're sitting at 35 today in the country for news and commentary. That's pretty fucking good. We really appreciate you guys. Right. It has so He's much. He's gonna cry. He's gonna cry. No, but it it has so much more to do with our listenership for the people who appreciate what we're doing on the show and the message we're trying to bring, and all the hard work it takes to put in to getting this going. You know, six seven hours worth of content twice a week. It's it's a lot, and uh, we appreciate you guys for helping make steak great, and. Uh, Speaking of which, we're going to be sitting down right now with two first-time guests, a surprise senatorial candidate out of the great state of Connecticut and a former senior advisor to President Trump. Joining us first on the show today, she is a political outsider running for the U.S. Senate in Connecticut. She won a huge primary. She's America First. She's Trump-endorsed. Actually, on Friday, Devin Nunes said she was a spectacular candidate with a phenomenal platform. Nice. Joining us for the first time, Leora Levy, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Well, thank you for inviting me. Ma'am, it's our pleasure. First of all, congratulations. Huge primary win for America First up there in Connecticut not too long ago. How's everything been going since the uh, the primaries are now behind you? It's been fantastic. Uh, as I travel the state, voters from all backgrounds, from obviously Republicans, but also independents, unaffiliated, even Democrats have come up to me and said, we agree with you. We like you. We're going to vote for you because the issues cut across party lines. And and that's what's propelling my candidacy and this race. You know, you say something that's resonating with our with our listenership and we hear it from so many candidates, whether they be running for governor, the U.S. Senate or, or a House seat. And it's the ground game. It's getting out and actually meeting the people. You know, you go to the ballot box uh, on Election Day and you see Republican and Democrat. But when you go out and actually talk about the issues and you get to hear and get, offer them solutions to the real problems that all parties are facing right now, it seems like the ground game is like the special component that's driving a lot of success in this midterm election. Yes, it is. And it is important to be in touch with the voters. I'm running against Dick Blumenthal. He has been in political office for over 37 years. Mm. He is out of touch with the Connecticut voters, with the families of Connecticut. He doesn't have a clue that when they go to the gas station or the grocery store, how unaffordable life has become. He he has voted for every single failed economic policy of the Biden administration. And he says, if, if gas is too expensive, get go get an electric car. How out of touch is that? It's extremely out of touch. And it sounds like... Uh... 
something that the the voters may be given a big referendum on re- election day coming up here in November. I, I think one of the biggest things is uh, the importance of a place like Connecticut being in play for the Republican Party for the first time in a long time. And, and that is because of, like you mentioned, the failed economic policies of the Biden agenda. We've seen everything from, you know, wasting money in Europe to what's going on on the southern border, the opiate and, and, and homelessness crisis and crime wave that's affecting our nation. But then when you get into like the blue collar middle class families, the ones who are really affected, you're talking about jobs, you're talking about gas prices, you're talking about empty shelves, baby formula. And now we see this the Student Loan Forgiveness Act that's going to you know, cost anywhere between, they're saying, 300 and $500 billion and cost American hardworking middle-class families anywhere between two and $3,000 a person. That's just absolutely ridiculous. And, and in the times we're at right now because of these reckless economic policies, it just seems like something that the voters in Connecticut really aren't, aren't just eating up like when a normal Democrat president is in the White House. Exactly. You know, this student loan forgiveness is unforgivable in my book. It is simply a transfer of wealth from hardworking American taxpayers to to college graduates who who have elite elite status in our society, who who took on this these loans knowingly. And they're expecting the taxpayers to bail them out. Well, look, I know times are tough for everybody, but that just isn't right. It is not fair. And Americans care about fairness. It's also bad economic policy. It will add to the inflation in our economy. It will encourage colleges and universities to raise their tuition prices even more. Many of these colleges and universities, they have endowments of over a billion dollars, many billion billions of dollars and and it is unforgivable to think that they are going to do make the the hardworking american taxpayers pay for the this debt you know i think the biggest thing that needs to get laid on the table is all the issues and and dick blumenthal needs to be held responsible for his voting record we really saw you excel in, in the primary election season are the people in connecticut go, going to get to see a debate between you two before election day well, I plan to debate him. Whether he shows up, that's another story. But I will be debating him, and I will be ready and 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 able to 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 go at it with him. Nice. Yeah, we really look forward to seeing that. You know, we got we try to cover as many of these things and let the people hear the verbal receipts. You know, the the voting record is one thing, but the excuses that they're going to make for why they voted on these things, it's just it doesn't match up dollars and cents wide with with the middle class families all over the country. I think uh, one of the biggest things right now that you know we're focusing on is uh, getting the word out and how we could help all these campaigns. It's your first time with us on the show, and moving forward, is there anything that we can do? Our listenership ground game in Connecticut, out of state donations to help uh, you know continue to propel you to victory in November. Yes, all of the above. My website is leora4ct.com, L-E-O-R-A-F-O-R-C-T.com. People can go there. They can volunteer for my campaign, and they can also donate. I would be very grateful. Blumenthal has a big head start. He he has over $8 million in his war chest and an unlimited source of funds from his family. So I would appreciate any support people could could give me. My husband and I have committed a good amount, but, you know, we don't have the resources he has. And um, I need everybody's help. That I am... 
I am running to be the senator for Connecticut to serve the families of Connecticut. My life has been an American dream. I was born in Cuba. We escaped communism, came here with nothing. And look, fast forward, not only was I able to work hard and get a good education, but I I then was one of the first women international commodity traders on Wall Street. Fast forward again, President Trump nominated me to be ambassador to Chile because of what I, I did as a businesswoman on Wall Street, the business. I shipped millions of tons of copper concentrates out of Chile, and I'm a native-born Spanish speaker. Fast forward now, I'm running for U.S. Senate. I am doing this to to go and serve the families of Connecticut. I owe nothing to anybody and I'm nobody's rubber stamp. So I would really appreciate their support. I will always stand up for them. I want their children and their children's children to have the same opportunities that I have had to live my American dream. I want them to be able to live theirs. I actually like that a lot. Yeah. You know, absolute you. fighter. We need one of those. And, uh, you know, for all of our listenership, hearing you for the first time today, I think you're going to see some pretty good engagement from that. We're going to live link your campaign website and your social medias in our show description today. And we can only hope that at some point between now and November, we get you back at least for one update. Oh, please. I'd be delighted. And, and you know, one thing I, I would like to tell them also is that I have been America first since long before they coined that phrase, since I came to this country and and understood the gift the, the, that I was receiving for being able to, to live here and not in Cuba, I've always been in putting America first. Nice. Yeah, I like it. And uh, like I said, we'll be having you back at some point in the future. Lior, we wish you the best of health and luck on the campaign trail. Thank you. And, uh, you know, keep fighting for those people in Connecticut. This is the America First Trump-endorsed Looking to make Connecticut, which is in play, great again. Leora Levy, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'd love to come back. Take care. All right, joining us next on the show today, very excited to have this guest game, highly recommended from one of our favorite friends, Miss Amanda Milius. He was a deputy assistant to the 45th president of the United States, and he's joining us for the first time. Theo Wald, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's our pleasure. How's everything going with you, sir? Uh, you know, staying busy. Uh, I think everyone who was in the White House uh, under Trump kind of had a little PTSD slash, uh, you know, depression after uh, everything went south last year. I think everyone was looking forward to a second term. And, um, you know, so that 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 took some time to recover from, but uh, got our feet underneath us. And uh, my family and I, we moved out to Idaho uh, in December of last year to get out of the swamp. So uh, things are good for us. We're, we're having fun. Now, since your time that you've been out of the White House, what have you been doing? Is it more focused on family stuff? Um, are you doing anything politically right now? Speaking, yeah. writing, what's going on in your life? Yeah, a little bit of everything uh, above there that you just mentioned. So, um, look, you know, there, there are a number of folks uh, who have sort of really articulated far better than I can this thesis that, the federal government is essentially broken. It, it's broken. And there's a lot of Americans who labor under this, this misapprehension that if you just elect the right guy, get the right guy in there, it'll all be fixed. Yep. And I think for me, one of the, the topics that I write on and speak on quite a bit is, is the deep state, how it functions, how it operates, really just trying to define what it is. I think when you really get into the belly of that beast and, and start uh, analyzing it, looking at it, understanding it, 
I, I think there's a lot of truth to the thesis that the federal government is, is broken in a permanent way. And our time as, as national conservatives, as populists, is best spent in the states, uh, preserving some citadels where people can live normal lives, raise normal kids. Um, and so, and look, you, I mean, you guys have had this on your show. You've, you've talked to a lot of people involved in some of these movements, but the, the efforts to take over and replace a lot of um, the folks who have done such a disastrous job <clears throat> in education at our, on our school boards or to take mayoral uh, seats, city council seats, that's not just small potatoes. That's, that's really where the, the whole ball game is now in my mind. So um, been involved in a number of races, statewide races and local races here in Idaho since I moved here. Uh, doing a lot of legal work as a, as a trained lawyer, you know, you, it's kind of how it's, it's my vocation, uh, bad or good, but um, however people feel about lawyers, but doing work on that side and then also doing a lot of writing and speaking. Yeah. It sounds like you've stayed busy to stay the least. And uh, you made a couple of things that, you know, we regularly talk about on this show. Like you said, the administrative state is one of the biggest things that we've been dissecting on here for, I'd say better portion of a year and a half now, since we really started having, a lot of guests who started to become more comfortable coming out and sitting down with us talking, you know, about their time in the Trump White House. In addition yeah. to a lot of like the senatorial and uh, House candidates, like people like Alex Gray, uh, people that have branched off and started PACs like Paige Willie, Max Miller, who, who's, you know, the nominee up in uh, Ohio 7. And, uh, you know, just kind of dissecting, like, you, you think about it, you hear deep state, you hear administrative state. A lot of our listenership, it's still, we're trying to condition them that they don't understand that there are hundreds of thousands of federal employees who are essentially unfireable and in most cases don't have bosses who, regardless of what political party is in there and what the agenda is, regardless of how big the mandate they're voted into office by, how many seats they have in the House or Senate, if they want to gum up and just say, like, you know what, in four or eight years, it's going to go the other way, so... I'm just not going to do that. We could talk about like border walls, um, some foreign policy issues, definitely trade with China and stuff like that. You know, securing our southern border, absolutely there. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's something that's not talked about enough. But I think as we're starting to see this nationalist populist movement starting to really catch grips and, and go into the general election, in addition to we all know that, that Donald Trump is probably going to announce sometime after the midterms that he's going to be running for election again, uh, you know, they've got names and are taking numbers of, of what they need to do to correct a big portion of this when, uh, you know, the boomerang comes back around in 24. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I, I would also urge all of your listeners to be very skeptical uh, about anyone who pushes like the silver bullet idea. Yeah. Uh, if anyone who says, no, 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 we just do this. It's going to be fixed and it's going to be fixed in a permanent way. That's snake oil because the problem is so deep. Uh, it's so entrenched. I mean, look, I, I mean, I could tell you stories till, till uh, you know, it's late in the day here. Simple things, you know, when you make a request as, as a senior advisor to the president for statistical work, I, you know, I, I, I once asked the Bureau of Labor Statistics, we wanted to start looking at um, it, American industries where it's claimed by the pro-immigration lobby that there are no Americans or American workers who want to fill the vacant jobs in those industries. Okay. Well, we have a whole bureau at the department of labor who keeps statistics on that. Let's look at what, what the statistical analysis says. Is that true? You, you know, make a request over to the bureau of labor statistics and they say, you know, I'd love to help you. Uh, but I got to go through my chain of command and you're going to have to ask the secretary's office if it's okay, if I can send that over. 
you, you can have a direct request from the Oval Office, from the President of the United States, and some functionary at the Department of Labor says, you know, go pound sand. I don't have to give you that. So, you know, the big things, like you mentioned, uh, blocking, you know, China policy, slow walking the wall, but even little things, like just getting a memo from the people whose job it is to do this work uh, was pulling, pulling teeth. Yeah, and it leads into the bigger problem of how much a disaster um, our federal government has become right now. We're seeing so much stuff going on. I know you've probably saw in the last hour, I guess you could say the affidavit was released, but it was just a whole lot of Sharpie lines uh, in regard to the you know FBI <laughs> yeah. raid that happened at Mar-a-Lago three weeks ago. And uh, You know they laughed the entire time they were doing that, too, probably. Of course. you know. But outside, outside looking in, Theo, what, how does that you know resonate with you to see not only how – corrupt and weaponized these agencies have become but the fact of the matter is that you know they're just taking victory laps like we we talked about yeah. it with, we had Devin Nunes and Cash Patel on Friday like two guys who were the tip of the spear for Russiagate to have Peter Strzok go on the cable news circuit last weekend and just talk about how you know awesome the FBI is and we should trust them and they're out there saving the day behind the scenes uh 24 7 it's just a, it's an embarrassment yeah, it is. And uh, it's the good work of, of folks like you, uh, you guys here and, and others who are really starting to teach Americans that they should be skeptical of these institutions. Right. Because for so long, like that's a cornerstone of being, you know, a good citizen uh, of being an American is, yeah, our FBI kicks ass. We get the bad guys. Watch the Will Smith movie. Um, you know, look, that's never been true. I mean, the, the Bureau has had a, a, a sordid past for decades. I think maybe a lot of Republicans we're okay with that back when the FBI was going after Stokely Carmichael and the black Panthers and wiretapping MLK. But that as, as a lot of folks, you know, in the Taft wing of the Republican party, the actual conservatives, when Truman was making his moves to create the deep state intelligence structure, they said all along, look, this is going to come around Uh and you're not going to like it when you're made to eat this, 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 you know, shit pie. So, and that's what we see now. Um, is this the authority that they've collected, especially post 9-11, the ability to investigate, to surveil, to disrupt, uh, and, and really um, to humiliate American citizens uh, is enormous. And I think for anyone who was watching it, and I know you guys were clued into this, but the raid on Roger Stone two, yep. weeks ago, two, two years ago, that was just prologue. I yeah. mean, that, that was really just kind of showcasing the tactics that the, the Bureau has, the way that they will move against uh, individual American citizens, and really their capacity um, in, in a real way to humiliate those that, that get in their crosshairs. And, and the president is, is the latest victim of this, but anyone who was following the story along could see where it was leading. Yeah, and it's like, you know, a lot of people are so much more aware of what's going on within these these federal agencies and bureaus because, you know, you saw some of the stuff that happened with Spygate and, and then Russiagate, and then you, you see these characters come to the forefronts, the Christopher Rage, James Comey, Clapper, Brennan, uh, you know, Schrock and Page. But then it's like w- when you start to realize it and they talk about, you know, you'd have these pundits go on TV and they're like, oh, yeah, these agencies are filled with thousands of hardworking Americans who believe in the American dream and uphold the Constitution. And then a reasonable person would say, like, Okay, how do five people, even though they're towards the top of the agency, just run around like they're they're in a you know a, a Tom Cruise movie or, or a Tom Clancy novel and, and like literally try to overthrow the government and, and affect the way that the outcome of the election was going to be, especially in 2016? 
Um, and then you start to realize, like, no, as we start to deconstruct the administrative state, you have to realize that all these people are connected. And even though they might not be, like, intricate parts of the overall plan that's going on, they're definitely lots and lots of people who are involved in this. And when you start to learn about, you know, the career bureaucrats who, who essentially run this country instead of the, you know, president and the Congress, uh, you start to realize that, uh, you know, they have a lot more power than the average person, the drive-by headline watcher would, would understand. Yeah, I, that's exactly right. And, and one of the, the key advantages the deep state has is they've got the shot clock. They, they know how much time they get to play with, how much time a Republican or you know, a, a conservative president has on their clock, and they can just wait you out. If you actually try to disrupt their, their work or their agenda, they'll slow walk you. Um, you know, they'll, they'll frustrate, uh, any reform initiatives. And that's why like all, all the discussion right now, especially from a lot of Republicans nipping and tucking, I mean, that, that line that the, the media and the leftists have run, which is, well, how can you be against the FBI? You guys are the ones who told us that it was wrong to defund the police. I mean, and, and so many of our, our elected Republicans have fallen for that, mm-hmm. uh, just hook, line and sinker. And, and really what we need to be saying is, Look, the FBI is one of the most well-branded, um, you know, it's like a sports team. When you walk around D.C., what do you see? You see yep. all those high school kids, they buy FBI sweatshirts, they they watch the cool movies. Um, it, it's an entity that exists to perpetuate its own power. And it's in, it's so important for the American people, as I said a moment ago, to sort of take a step back. Maybe you're not at the point where some of us are, which is it's time to abolish the FBI and, and break it up into a million little pieces and, and, and lift, you know, send it to the wind. Maybe that's not where everyone's at, but at least a healthy dose of skepticism uh-huh. of, of the Bureau as an entity, not just Christopher Ray or James Comey, but the, the Bureau and what it does. That should be a precondition for any support that you know, voters give to a Republican candidate for Congress or Senate. Where are you at on the fundamental question? And don't tell me you're just going to you're going to have a hearing. It's got to be something more significant than that. Which leads me to my next point. I know you're pretty much dialed into politics and, and what's going to happen with this movement moving forward. How have you been kind of checking out the midterm elections? What's your forecast and how you liking it so far? I know we, we saw um, with New York, Florida, and the special election in Oklahoma this week, Donald Trump upped his endorsement record to 199 and <laughs> 17. Uh, he'll, he'll break the 200 mark after probably New Hampshire in, in, in less than a month now, but you know, uh, this is a pretty big election, and we've seen a, a, a really different and kind of diverse group of, of candidates come to the forefront and really resonate with the people. Voter turnout's been great, especially on the Republican side and day of voting. But uh, someone who's worked there before and, and has kind of seen this, you know, you, you lived through 2018 in the midterms. How are, how are you seeing this forecast lining up? Yeah, uh, so I, the, the preface would be, there is no one in politics who has a better intuitive sense of, of where things are and where they're going than, than president Trump yeah. one, two, no one worked harder than president Trump did in, in that 2016 presidential contest. That's, that's the key thing that people forget. Like it, it was somehow destined that he was going to win. No, 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 no. He had the right message, um, the right principles, but he outworked everyone else in the Republican field. And I, I think my concern right now is a lot of, of folks in our movement, in, in the national conservative, you know, populist movement have bought into the establishment line that this is essentially a coronation, like start, start figuring out what committee assignments you want. Cause we're going to get the house no matter what. And, you know, look, the, the numbers over the last couple of weeks are not good. 
They're not good. And, and this is why your listeners should care about this because the message the establishment is going to run is exactly yep. what Senator McConnell said a couple weeks ago. Well, you know, we could have picked up these chambers, but essentially it was 2010 all over again. You gave us a bunch of crazies and, and these, you know, nutcase candidates who couldn't stay on script and, and follow the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's line on immigration or uh, talk about corporate tax cuts. And that's why we lost. Um, and so r- right now is the time for for whoever, you know, is, is tuning in to this program to get off, get off your duff and help candidates like Joe Kent help uh, folks in Arizona. Um, Cause it's, it's really going to come down to, to that. Do we have the ground game? Do we have the money to back the people who are in the arena supporting the things that we say we care about? Cause look, the establishment ain't going to do it. I mean, they're happy. They're, they're happy to lose, to bleed out this cycle so that they can come back in, in 2024 and say, see, I told you the problem with, with uh, 20, 2022 was we had too many MAGA candidates running and that policy just doesn't sell. That's what they're going to say. No, you make an excellent point, which leads me to the next thing I want to ask you. Does leadership in both chambers right now concern you? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, look, uh, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that, that, uh, leadership in both chambers has, has extracted the right lesson from the last four years. I mean, like as much as people look, I, I think even stepping away from congressional leadership, the other issue that we've, we've got as a movement is a lot of grifters have glommed on to, to MAGA, to yep. president Trump, a lot of people who were not there in, in 16, who couldn't lift a finger during, like, as you mentioned a moment ago in 18, well, we had, you know, one of the largest immigrant caravans headed to the border. And there were a lot of people now who are happy to go down to Mar-a-Lago and collect checks and kiss the ring, who didn't say, you know, Jack in 2018, didn't lift a finger to help the president in four years when he was in the White House. So I think we also need to be really skeptical of people who show up now. Um, And I'm not, I'm not saying people can't be converts or, you know, can't have a change of mind or see, see the light of day and say, Oh, okay, I get it now. But there's a lot of people who run under the MAGA banner who will, as soon as they're in office, just flip. Yep. Um, and that's something, you know, again, because they want to, they want to make Trumpism, uh, an accident of history, right? A, f- a four year period that we can get beyond and get back to the usual stuff of the uniparty deep state control of, of America. And so, as you mentioned, the candidates we got in Georgia, uh, people running in Arizona, some of these candidates in Southern Texas, it's really important that we get these folks over the line because they, they are actually going to carry the agenda forward. Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at the diverse crop of candidates that we're working with here, and, and a lot of them served in the administration, but the ones that haven't, you mentioned the three gals down in South Texas. We've interviewed two of them so far, and their whole platform is just great. It's like it comes from a long line of just being frustrated and lied to and seeing their homes and, and communities destroyed by crime, by fentanyl, by, by constant influx of migrants. And, uh, you know, you talk about people like Joe Kent, you know, he told us on a show, I think last year when we first started, you know, interviewing him for the first time, he's like a very frequent reoccurring guest on here that he talked to President Trump and he was probably going to have, well, he was going to have a job in the next Trump administration in some context. Didn't tell us what it was, but, you know, when when it didn't work out in 2020, uh, President Trump urged him to run and and the, the amount of pressure that he had to go through, people like Carrie Lake had to go through. Dr. Oz and Herschel Walker are experiencing a lot of that right now. And we try to talk to our listenership like, you know, everybody's not going to be rip your shirt open MAGA, but it's like we've talked to everybody very close to the president, pretty much everybody except him. I mean, uh, you know, the entire people who are still working for him very hard are all reoccurring guests on the show. 
And if there's candidates in places that are purplish or that where you need walkaway Dems and independents, it's going to be kind of a moderate message with like MAGA undertones because that's what it's going to take to win in November. Uh, I'd rather somebody like Dr. Oz be a little bit boring but stay on the issues and, you know, assure President Trump that he's going to, number one, vote MAGA, number two, vote for a change in leadership. Those are the two things that he needed to guarantee. And, and then have him instead of John Fetterman, you know, because John Fetterman to the left of Bernie. And uh, Trump, you know, President Trump put out an article this morning that said the Dr. Oz BS needs to stop and we need to come together. Like, you know, you're literally playing with such finite numbers in the Senate right now. Full-on attacks for Herschel Walker. He's been on our show three times. They challenge his, you know, uh, previous, you know, minglings with other women, and they challenge his intelligence. He's come on the show, like, twice, three times, and given solid, like, 20, 30-minute interviews where we didn't tell them what we were going to talk to him about. And every single thing we asked, talked about building jobs, working with the military, mental health awareness, his professional career, his intimate relationship with Donald Trump all the way back since the 80s, and then hit on the issues that were different between him and Raphael Warnock, it was just the attacks are going to come and they're going to make people think that these aren't strong candidates, but you have to find and listen to them. And, and no, listen, president Trump just doesn't drop endorsements for no reasons. There's reasons and everybody has one. And it's one of those things where we need to like really come together right now as, as we're pretty much clear to the primary season and it's general election time. You don't have to like, everybody's going to be getting money from PACs. Everybody's going to be getting money from McCarthy and McConnell. You've seen like, Senate candidates and, and House candidates all collaborating because it's time to like literally work together because we need to secure the the upper and lower chamber in November. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more uh, on on several of those points there, which is, you know, look, the fundamentals of of, of campaigns of, of politicking didn't change. You, you still have to have candidates that are good fit for their district. But also, like you said, if you're running in a, in a purple district or a purple state, the message has to be attuned to the people you're, whose votes you're, you're trying to court. That that didn't suddenly that that axiom of politics didn't go away. Um, and then and then two, um, you know, it's funny to me because we heard for years from the establishment, you know, squish wing of the Republican Party that they wanted more diverse candidates yep. that came from uh, diverse backgrounds. And the way they would do it was they would go to central casting and essentially get the neocon, you know, who who looked this way or the neocon who was a woman and and run with that. Uh, what what the Trumpist movement was able to do was to produce that diversity of background organically. Like we we got these three women running in, in the Rio Grande Valley. We got Herschel Walker because finally we had a party that was talking, uh, as you guys emphasize so much on this show, talking to the issues that matter to working class Americans, that this is a party that actually is interested in what your school looks like for your kids. Are you able to buy American goods in your own store to support your fellow citizens? Um, and what's going on with crime? Uh, are your communities safe? Uh, do you have people coming in in the dead of night from, you know, wherever, Central America, Southeast Asia, who are dropped there by DHS? Like, our party is now focused on those things, and we've gotten candidates because of that, that we wouldn't have normally had signing up to run as Republicans. No, you make a whole lot of sense. I mean, you look at one of the ones we, we last week we played a clip that was, uh, you know, after Mitch McConnell made those comments, one of our segments was geared toward yeah. sp- spinning this narrative in the right direction. And there was a hit piece on like John Gibbs, like Harvard educated Christian mission around the world, knows several languages, taught Christianity and Chinese to people in the third world. Assistant director at HUD worked with Ben Carson and, and Donald Trump, you know, and it's just like they called him like, I, what did they, something about like a radical anti 
choice. They just made him seem like he was just like an absolute scumbag, and the guy's like one of the biggest, funniest sweethearts you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. And he's going to wind up winning that that election because that's the way people are spinning him, and he's actually taking the time to go out and meet people, people like Carrie Lake, who's a legit walkaway candidate. Same thing with J.D. Vance, uh, you know, a never-Trumper to moved into the MAGA base. And if Blake Masters ran in some states as like a Democrat, just based off of his tech background and, you know, his billionaire backers and stuff, dude, they'd embrace him till the end of the day. But because he's running as a MAGA candidate in Arizona, the, the left is pouring tons of money in there to try to delegitimize him, but it's just not working. We went to the Trump rally in Arizona out there in uh, July, and it was packed, and the message was real, and the people were fired up, and they came out and voted like it. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, Gibbs is a great example. Uh, I mean, the fact that they're able to take, uh, he's one of the best, one of the best people in the administration, competent, qualified, a good colleague. And the fact that they're, they're trying and they're not, I don't, I I agree with you. I don't think they're going to succeed, but the fact they're trying to take Gibbs and turn him into essentially, you know, a Nazi kook who has got strange ideas and, and that was, you know, funded by the progressive left to beat Meyer. Like it's an indication of how desperate both, both sides are, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the classic establishment silk stocking Republicans. Yeah. And, and then the left, um, that the MAGA movement really is a threat to the, to the long-term viability of the progressive agenda. I agree. Theo, you got to give us, before we cut with you, at least one good story while you worked inside the Trump administration. It could be personal, it could be policy, whatever you want, but what's one of the highlights of working hand-in-hand with, with, with 45, and, and how do you best remember the boss in that situation? Uh, there's so many good stories. Uh, my, my, one, of, one of my favorites... Uh, is I, I got a call around five o'clock in the morning. Uh, this is towards the end, right before COVID. Um, and uh, it was from the chief of staff. Meadows said, um, you speak Spanish, right, Theo? I said, uh, yeah, yes, sir. I speak Spanish. And said, All right, you need to come over here right, right away. Get, get over to the Oval. And I got there and I walked in. The president said, so Theo, you speak Spanish? I said, yep. He said, you're going to be translating for me today. So we, we had a whole event and if you go back, you can, you can see this at one point when I'm translating for the president, he turns to me at some point and he says, well, Theo, you work on that, right? You work on that on the, on this, it was a DOJ related issue. And he said, you work on that, right? You're going to get to the bottom of it. And you could see all the media in the oval was so confused. Why is the president saying the translator is going to get to the bottom of, uh, you know, some, some issue. And really, I mean, it, it speaks to the president's, you know, this, the WD 40 and duct tape approach that we're not going to do the conventional thing. It got to where all these translators were leaking the president's private you know, communications with foreign heads of state. Right. He knew that they weren't trustworthy. He, he knew that there was people on staff who had a Spanish background and, you know, hell he was going to use them. And yeah, I mean, when you go back and you watch the CNN and the transcripts from the other networks, it's an odd moment, but, um, you know, that's, that's the president's ability to improvise and make good use of people's uh, skill sets. No, he was a great boss, great, great man to work for. I, yeah, I, they, I would, they probably thought it was going to be like a whammy moment. Like, all right, we're going to eat. Oh, wait, no, that guy is actually the cabinet position. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. We, we hear the story so often, we, we never know which way it's going to go, but they always end in such a hilarious fashion. Listen, he went with who he went with because he knew they worked. Loyalty, trust, he could count on them, and those were the people that he leaned on throughout the course of the presidency. And he, he always had that ability to checkmate the deep state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and he's still doing it to this day. Yep. Theo, I, I, I'm guessing that this won't be the last time you join us. We had a great time, and, and the segment flew by super fast, but we are going to be for surely uh, inviting you back at some point in the future. For our listenership that doesn't follow you, if you want to give out any of your social medias, websites, anywhere you got anything, and we'll live link it in the show description today. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm new to the whole social media scene, but I'm now on Twitter and Instagram at Real Theo Wold uh, on both of those platforms. And then uh, got a, a couple of essays coming out with my, my gig I've got with the Claremont Institute at the American Mind. Yeah, it's an awesome thing you're working on there. And like I said, we'll be having you back at some point soon. This is a senior advisor to President Donald Trump. Theo Wold, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast today. Thanks, thanks guys. Thank you for having me on. Take care. Well, those were two delightful segments, to say the least. Yep. Connecticut's in uh, good hands with that Trump-endorsed America First senatorial candidate. And uh, we'll be having her back again. She's a little uh, firebrand. Yeah. And then, man, oh, the stories Theo Wald could tell. Yeah. He's. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. You could definitely tell that he's hashtag Milius gang. Yeah. Uh, she rolls with, like, literally carbon copies of the same people. They're all extremely based. Uh, they're very dialed into all the stuff that's going on. And we appreciate them both for taking time out of their busy schedules to join us. Someone else who has a busy schedule but had the time to join Joe Rogan, the Lizard King himself. Oh, oh yeah. Mark Lizardberg. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, sat down with, uh, well, he, he put on the exosuit to sit down with Joe Rogan in studio yesterday. And, well, believe it or not, the conversation went off the rails as usual, and they got down the rabbit hole of the 2020 presidential election and some stuff that may have... Well, swung the fake votes, if you know what I'm saying. If you haven't heard it yet, and I'm sure you might have, we're going to listen to it anyways. Let's hear it. How do you guys handle things when they're a, a big news item that's controversial? Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story. The New yeah, York we Post. Had that too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well? So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us. Some of the folks on our team, it was like, hey, um, just so you know, like, you should be on high alert. There was, the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the Look 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump. Who's of, this guy's of, fucking um, barber? Uh, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said, you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What, what we do is we have... We just um, made it so you couldn't find it. If something is reported to us as yeah, potentially um, misinformation, important misinformation, we, we also have this third-party fact-checking program because we don't want to be deciding what's true and false. And for the... I think it was Easy there. five or seven his, days... His lizard almost got out. Being, Easy there, Serpentor. Um, being determined whether it was false um the distribution on facebook was decreased but yeah. people were still allowed to share it so you could still share it you could still consume it so when um, you say the distribution is decreased in, it, it got shared it, how does that work it basically the ranking it. in newsfeed was a little bit less and share it to so nothing fewer people saw it than would have otherwise so it it's, definitely he's talking about shadow banning mm -hmm. I, like, I don't know you can share it but, but we're gonna make it's, you it's, so it's you meaningful. can't be found but i mean but basically a um a lot of people were still able to share it. We got a lot of complaints that that was the case. Um, you know, obviously this is a hyper-political issue. So depending on what side of the political spectrum, you either think we didn't censor it enough or censored it way too much. But right. but we weren't sort of as black and white about it as, as Twitter. We just kind of thought, hey, look, if, if the FBI, which you know, I still view as a legitimate institution in this country, mm. it's like very professional mm -hmm. law enforcement. <clears throat> yeah. They come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something then I want to take that seriously. Did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? I, I, no, I, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it was... It
The FBI asked Mark Zuckerberg. I do not recall. He asked him, they asked him to basically essentially shadow ban any content regarding the Hunter Biden laptop for seven days prior to election day. Yeah, and it's it's just such a fucking just bullshit way to explain it. Well, we were allowed to share it, but we fucking shadow banned you for sharing it. And as soon as you got as soon as you shared it and one of our fucking basement dwellers fucking assholes found it, they made it so it couldn't be found. You can share, but we're just going to make it invisible. That's technically what they're saying. And is that like the FBI, like the same FBI that went to like Trump's house and stuff? Um, it's interesting how they, they, I don't know, it looks like one side and maybe just a little bit. I don't know. It's funny that you mentioned that, Geisha, because, well, I don't want to say it was released, <clears throat> an extremely heavily redacted version of the DOJ FBI affidavit to raid Mar-a-Lago was released today on Friday. Hours later than it was supposed to, making it a pain in the ass to prepare for the show. But portions of the unsealed affidavit reveals it was a special agent with the FBI assigned to the Washington field office and that trained at the FBI Academy at Quantico, specific to counterintelligence and espionage investigations, was the mole who was running counterintelligence inside of Mar-a-Lago, I believe, posing as a Secret Service agent. Mm. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. <clears throat> I also learned a new ac- acronym from the affidavit, even though most pages are completely redacted. If you would now turn to page 53, uh, FOPOTUS. Have you guys ever heard of that one? Is that the nope. the, the fat area above the... <laughs> <laughs> Between your, your, your armpits and your chest? <laughs> Apparently it stands for former president of the United States. <laughs> I was way off. <laughs> you almost had him there. But, yeah, they, they uh, you know, I remember when, when the raid happened, uh, Cash Patel, former chief of staff to the DOD and special advisor to the 45th president of the United States, asked us all to remember that Breitbart article, which came out in May, that kind of debunked this whole narrative and talked about how they were starting to build the wave, which would, you know, wash up on the shores of Mar-a-Lago in the form of what they did. Uh, something completely unprecedented, probably un- unconstitutional and, and most likely illegal. Um, but the fact of the matter is, the one thing we need to understand, and we don't say it enough, all roads lead to Russiagate. All of these things are connected when it comes to Donald Trump. Several of the top agents, I mean, including Christopher Ray, many of the high-ranking officials of the Justice Department, people who are working as special advisors to the, well, I guess you could say Fapotis as Joe Biden now, to the fake president of the United States. Jeez. Um, these are all people who were involved in Spygate and Russiagate. And, and at the end of the day, I feel like once we finally start to uncover these layers, we are going to realize just how big of a machine that they had running behind the scenes trying to stop Donald Trump, um, you know, doing what he's doing right now and that's getting ready to run for president again. I asked cash today if he can get a comment because he's been labeled as a Fapotis misleader <laughs> in, in, in like one paragraph that's, that's redacted unredacted in, in the affidavit. And, and I haven't heard back from him yet, but you know, he did say uh, this morning before this affidavit was released that we're going to blow the lid off this bitch. And that is a quote. So that's kind of where we're at there. Um, I heard uh, the stock market uh, for magic markers went up huge, like Bic, that company, probably. Sharpie. Sharpie, yeah. <clears throat> You'll never guess. Bic is the lighter. <laughs> yeah. I thought they made magic markers, too. 
the 45th president of the United States weighed in on this pretty fast and uh, issued a comment. I'm not going to read it. Well, yes, I will. Affidavit heavily redacted. Nothing mentioned on, quote, nuclear. A total public relations subterfuge by the FBI, DOJ, or our close working personal relationship regarding the document turnover. All caps. We gave them much. Judge Bruce Reinhardt should never have allowed the break-in of my home. He recused himself two months ago from one of my cases based on his animosity and hatred of your favorite president, me. (laughs) What changed? Why hasn't he recused himself from this case? Obama must be very proud of him right now. Wow. Doesn't get any better than that. Um, I don't know if you guys had heard, and, and like I said, due to the redactedness level of this affidavit, we're not really, you'll get some commentary on it from people like Tucker Carlson and, and probably Jesse Waters tonight. There'll be a couple pundits online. I mean, Jack Posobiec's already, uh, you know, redacted his name on, on Twitter. It's like his profile handle is redacted. Consequently, I was talking to Noah before the show, you know, Big Daddy T put out a little cease and desist order on on all the Dr. Oz haters uh, while we're there. He shared an article today. uh, It was from Town Hall, and it was in regards to the midterm elections, and it basically stated, let's see, Trump had a couple bangers today. Uh, What he wants is all the BS to stop with Dr. Oz, and, and it's, you know, he's saying it's, well, stop the Dr. Oz hate and get with the program. Yeah. Donald Trump shared it. He didn't tag anybody. I quoted the truth and tagged Jack Posobiec. Got him. Like, I just, and I, I said straight up, it's time to come together. Like, it was fun making fun of him. The guy's the most lukewarm MAGA candidate in the history of senatorial candidates. Probably he's way better than the alternative, which is literally retarded John Fetterman. I, I just I don't understand what the benefit is of shitting on the guy when the, yeah. there's no other choices that are legitimate. Like, is there any anybody that's close? Like, who is who are these people trying to catapult to the top? Like, what are, what are, who are they posting that is good? Like, what, exactly. who is, who's, who's your horse in this race? The guy that literally was in the hospital for five months after suffering a massive stroke to where he almost died. And can't string sentences together, like, literally. Joe Biden? Close. <laughs> but he doesn't want anything to do with Joe Biden. He wants everything to do with Bernie Sanders, which should scare everybody oh, more. that's awful. Yeah. Raheem Kassam also released his newest Substack. You should get on our true social, his true social Twitter, find it. He's kind of in the same thread that we are in, in, in lining up with, with Cash Patel's narrative. The Mar-a-Lago affidavit really does read as if they were confiscating Russiagate. <laughs> so, I mean, we're there. But, but in between that, Donald Trump had a couple bangers. Uh, he did share something from the Babylon Bee. I like this one. Dick Cheney thrilled to no longer be the least likable Cheney. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Uh, Goals. I thought that was a pretty good one. Goals achieved. And, of course, he had the uh, Liz Cheney step down from the January 6th committee immediately, exclamation point. So that's what's kind of going on in Trump world. As we segue now, speaking of things kind of rally-related, Donald Trump's first one on the general election cycle will be next Saturday in Pennsylvania, September 3rd. We're looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. We'll have Liz Harrington in on Tuesday to break it on down with us. Um, the official spokeswoman for the 45th president of the United States, but Joe Biden hit the campaign trail last night, surprisingly. And, uh, was he on his bike? Oh boy. <laughs> he played to a packed 
High school gymnasium? High school gymnasium. <laughs> where dozens of people lined up for minutes before to, to hear the 46th Fopotus of the United States. I like it. No, it just showed me a meme. It's a completely redacted memo, but Hunter Biden's snorting it. He's snorting the lines. This is what goes on behind the scenes of Steak for Breakfast. Um, I'm going to play a couple clips from that. Believe it or not, there were, there were a few ones that were longer than 10 seconds, even though there was some that was very short. But I was able to find a couple where he's really oof, Joe Bidening. Uh, their whole thing, well, <laughs> yeah, let's just get, here we go. He's going to talk about Republicans first. Well, both clips. Here's the first one. Well, guess what? MAGA Republicans don't have a clue about the power of women. <laughs> Let me tell you something. They are about to find out. Oh, you've you been really oh, yeah. easy on the garrison today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And by the way, look, I served in the Congress since I was 29 years old. We I know. I had to wait 17 days to be eligible to be sworn in. Really? I've <laughs> served with a lot of great Republicans. I mean it. A lot of great Republicans. Thank you, man. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, man. You got it. Well, here's the deal. Oh. Here's the deal. Oh. What's happened is, oh. what's happened is, oh. there are, no, there are <laughs> not <laughs> many real Republicans anymore. Sure aren't. Yeah, By the way, you're sitting governor. Oh. He's a Republican you can deal with. We disagree. No, no, I'm serious. But at least he's mm-hmm. within the mainstream of the Republican Party. I respect conservative Republicans. I don't respect these MAGA Republicans. And folks, everybody thinks I'm exaggerating when I say this, but they're coming after your Social Security as well. And you think I'm kidding. I'm already not going to get that. Go read the only election-year plan the Republicans have put out. Look up on these... these, There you go. This is... This is the Republican plan. He's going off the television. That is the, about uh, what they want to do with regard to Social Security. The thing they used to have in Flip the classroom. The, go the ahead to the next machine. slide. Oh, the projector. Yeah. There you go. It's, here's what they said. Rick Scott, the Republican chairman of the reelect committee for the, for the Senate, Republican senators, said Social Security and Medicare should be in the chopping block. Here's what they, this, is the, this is what they put out. All federal legislation... Mm. Sunsets every five years. If a law is worth keeping, Congress can pass it again. Translate it, your Social Security every five years will be eliminated unless it's voted back into existence. It's your money. You paid for it. You paid for it. But I'm not joking. Mm. Yeah, we're... We're not going to get Social Security because there's not going to fucking be money because you're spending it. You fuck... Take a quick pause and a breath. <clears throat> what if, I'm just theorizing now, we eventually, we eventually print more get money? the Social Security Forgiveness Act. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> there you go. And we're going to forgive the government spending so the Social Security money is there again, mm. and then they're going to be able to spend it again. They could just print it. Yeah, just print, print it. That's and, what we're going to find so far. And make the yeah. younger taxpayers pay for it. And make it. us pay it, yep. Sounds like a good plan, though, if you think about it. If you're on these, the other side, it sounds, oof. These people that are cheering for this, I mean, it's the same thing as the people that float into my DMs occasionally with their ill-thought-out arguments to shit that I'm posting about. Now, it's, now it's, remember, he did say he respects re- Republican governors like the governor of that state. Guess who it is? What state was he in? Maryland. Oh. 
highly unattractive. <laughs> Donald Trump <laughs> called him pig-faced. <laughs> Larry Hogan. Oh, boy. Who Trump endorsed America First, friend of steak for breakfast. Nominee Dan Cox primaried the shit out of Hogan. <laughs> exactly. In, in the uh, in the primaries like a month and a half ago, and, and Dan Cox is surging right now. Mm. In, you know what I noticed? I want to go back. Let's time travel just a little bit, but we're staying in thread because we're still in the last one. Mm-hmm. Me and Ron DeSantis could have an um off. You ever hear him talk? Um? Yeah. We really could. You're more of an uh than um. I actually made fun of you to the point where you got rid of the um and replaced it with uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's an ummer. I thought about putting my dog's shock collar on you during the show. It's like on your leg. It's and then hard. every time you uh, I just zap the shit no, out no, of you. No, 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 no. Hold it right there. I'm going to keep Why you through the break. You know, you know that's mine. We're going to have to come back to that one. I do it too, though. Mm. I just do Which long, one? long pauses usually for me. Uh... <clears throat> Believe it or not, that was the meat and potatoes of the entire rally, which I believe he spoke for less than 20 minutes. However. So the meat and potatoes was an ill-informed basis of nothing falsehood. Speaking to dozens. Speaking to dozens. However, <laughs> there was, I don't know if you guys heard it. It wasn't even a full gymnasium. I saw the video. A mild interruption at some point towards the end of the rally. Oh, right. Yeah. Pretty unprecedented. Makes me think that he is a little bit more Fapotis than POTUS. You guys want to hear it? This one's going to make Geisha laugh. The whole notion of the burn it all down politics of MAGA Republicans continues to be a drumbeat. You stole the election! You stole it! You stole it, guy! You stole it! You paid a lot too! Wow. I like to do enough for you guys! That's what it sounds like when dozens of Karens start wailing at the same time. Can I say that the level of censorship has gotten so strong that I normally get a lot of the clips and, and, and everything that we have here on, on the podcast, I get to see them shared by, you know, all the family that we follow and everyone. I never saw that. Yeah, the fact that they're not showing that specific context of even just somebody shitting on him via, uh, what is it when people clown on a comedian what do they, they call hecklers hecklers yeah like a roast <clears throat> yeah the fact that they're not even willing to show that where i mean didn't did that guy get swatted yet i'm shadow band are you guys still again shadow band or I, I never i only was on shadow band for like a few days i enjoyed it, it was fun and then boom back <laughs> the, to invisible the, the only place we aren't is true social and we're having really good engagement there but you know everywhere else it's like you literally i saw we got verified on getter too yeah, nice. we did. Yeah, thank you, Gavin Wax, for that. He'll be joining us in early September as well. I just shot him a text the other day, asked him what's going on. He's like, "Oh, I'm verifying accounts. You guys want to get verified?" Sure. Aww. And then, like two minutes later, he's like, "Done." I like refresh the page, and there it is, nice. Red B. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. And uh, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can, but pretty funny. Said he stole the election. Said he's pedophile too. Um, <laughs> Which, which I don't really have much audio on, but I know I mean, you guys... I don't see no live in that, y'all. No, because I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, yesterday, two people pleaded guilty to interstate trafficking of stolen property 
regarding the Ashley Biden diary, which they found in a rental that they were at, and then eventually, long story short, without with taking all the bullshit out of it, sold to James O'Keefe for forty thousand dollars. the the oh, diary wow. The diary was abandoned, so so it wasn't stolen property. Number one, and number two. Everybody said, like, the Hunter Biden laptop, it's illegitimate and didn't exist. But now two people have pleaded to, well, they're felonies in court. Yeah, so how's that, that even possible? Is real. Just imagine that. Well, they must have just been like, hey, do you see what we're doing with these January 6 people? That could be you. Yeah. We're going to lock you up forever. You better just plead guilty. And they're it do- like, it fuck. It doesn't matter that. And we'll let you keep the money. It literally says in her 11th year at life, Ashley Biden wrote about how her father made her take showers with him. Yeah. yeah. And, like. Like in parentheses, like probably inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Come on, dude. <clears throat> Not like, real. I grew. I grew up like I'm first generation, mm-hmm. like Eastern European. My dad was very strict. He. I've never ever in my life seen my dad naked ever. Not yeah. once. It's so disgusting. Just yeah. like when I when I heard and read what she wrote, I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, like for me, if someone that grew up the way that I did, it would never fly. And that's how I, that's how my dad like taught us and my mom as well. So disgusting. So, I, I mean, I don't care what part of the world you're from, but you don't take showers naked with your dad. Yep. 11 years old, especially. You know what I love? Not mm. that. Mm. The fact that I'm, <laughs> I'm scrolling through Twitter right now because I have like, Two crappy clips to end the week with, mm. but Homelander Face and the Post Millennial are sharing articles that says breaking Devin Nunes says FBI after Russiagate hoax documents. How much do you want to bet millions and millions of dollars that the reference to that narrative that was said on our show Tuesday is not in that article from Jack Pasovic? <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Breaking, Devin Nunes says FBI was after Russia Gate hoax documents. Oh. Where did I hear that? Oh, shit. I heard it Tuesday right there on the fucking screen when Devin Nunes was dropping F-bombs about it. Yep. <clears throat> That's happened to us before where we've been quoted but not quoted. So weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. Steve Bannon was out of the office today. Peter. No, we literally, we literally have had stuff that happened on the show and nowhere else that was referenced on a, a pretty big uh influencer i hate to say it or whatever podcast tucky's ran with ours a couple times too yeah where we kind of get off the rails about something and then like the next that night he's i, I play the clip in the next show because i'm like hey remember what we talked about on on tuesday here it is yeah. on tucker tucker carlson says a little bit better than me but i have better hair well, no but like that sometimes can be coincidental just because it's current events but this was literally somebody we had on saying something exclusively to us that they somebody literally hashtag quoted and then just didn't say where they got it, which is fine. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> hang on. He, he's abstained himself from stealing because he did the reverse steal. I'm reading the article right now. Pasobic, who was guest hosting Charlie Big Head Kirk show on Friday, asked <laughs> Nunez when he was joined by the former congressman about security classifications, security classifications that could be found throughout the released affidavit. So what they did was they gleaned our interview and then reframed it. Oh, perfect. I love reframing. I, I'm too bad we only have 17,000 followers. And At least it wasn't like redacted. Two million, so apparently that's their hot story. But guess what? <laughs> Those guys are already scheduled to come back with us in September, so good luck keeping them, getting them on your show every time. Um, 
Well, we're going to circle it down here, and we've rounded third. We're heading home. KGP was at the podium today on Friday answering questions early because, you know, Joe Biden's Secret Service nickname is Three Day Weekend. That's been confirmed. Nice. He's taken so many. Wait, officially? Yeah, he's taken so many mother effing vacations since he started occupying the fake Oval Office. Um, Weekend? (laughs) So instead of talking about all the money that they're wasting and, and absolutely flushing this entire country down the toilet, KGP went off on a rant about MAGA Republicans. Imagine that. Perfect. Uh, only semi-fascism coming. Yeah. Uh, is this something we're going to hear more of, that phrase? Is this something the president's going to kind of embrace? Or is there any sense that it was, uh, you know, a little impromptu and it's going to turn into a kind of basket of deplorables thing that he regrets and that tries to be quiet about? I, look, I was very clear when uh, when laying out when? Uh, and You're defining never been clear. Uh, what... Uh, you know, MAGA Republicans have done, and you look at the definition of fascism, and you think about uh, what they're doing in, in attacking our democracy, what they're doing in taking away what does MAGA uh, our stand freedoms, for? Uh, taking away, wanting to take away our rights, our voting rights. I mean, no. that is what that is. It is very clear, and that's why he made that um, that uh, that powerful speech uh, that you heard uh, from him last night, so and powerful. he has not shied away from saying. My follow-up would have been like, are you talking about the powerful speech where somebody said the election was rigged and stolen and then they segued to calling him a pedophile? (laughs) Just to clarify. (laughs) After he called Larry Pigface Hogan a real Republican. Is is that the speech you're referring to? Oh, yeah. Good times. Sadly enough, and unfortunately, uh, today is the day, um, the one-year anniversary of when the attack happened at the Kabul airport in Afghanistan. Mm. And... You'd never imagine it, but on his way to get on Marine One as he's getting ready to depart the White House and and head out for, you know, three-day weekend, Joe Biden was asked by reporters if uh, he's reached out to any of the families on the one-year anniversary to, uh, you know, at least offer... Did he go? No. You think? (laughs) I'll I'll give you a hint. It's only a seven-second clip. Let's hear it. Mr. President, have you spoken to any of the family members of the 13 soldiers who died last year in Afghanistan? Not today, but I have spoken in the past. Oh, that was like uh, when uh, they he, said that they've been to the southern border. In, well, no, he was talking about last year when he was checking his watch at the airport as they were getting wheeled yeah, off the plane. that time, yeah. Yeah, that's when he's talked to him. And when the lady was, like, literally telling him to fuck off, basically. Absolutely loathsome <clears throat> for our last audio clip of the day. But you want to know what? There's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of moving parts. Um, speaking of moving parts, it was a pleasure having our favorite co-host, Miss Geisha Montez. Oh, it was, you know, I was a little sick today. I apologize. You know, I was not my 100%, but, you know, I can always make that as an excuse. So you have to, like, bring me back and stuff, you know, like. You, you Listen, you always have a home here. I, I always reach out and throw you dates, but if you're ever, like, I'm bored and I feel like bullshitting, if it's a Tuesday oh. or Friday, you're here. Yeah. Yeah, you just text us and you can come on. We, we, we got, got guests, but you guest host. You stay for the whole show. And yeah, uh, just jump in the waiting room. You get the link. Always good. <laughs> I would love to. I, I definitely would love to, especially because, uh, you know, I've been traveling around and and it's like you, you don't have, uh, you know, like your family around, your your friends around sure. kind of like a lonely road. And I get so fucking bored. So, yes, I will definitely try to be like, hey, what are you guys up to? And then I'll turn on the camera and go. I'll try to not be sick because, you know, it's, it's the rain, really. Huh? We love you. Please come. Um, I love you too. Whenever you can. Yep. Text us, call us, send us memes. 
we're always here for you, Geisha, and we, we love all the work you do when you come on this show and all the work you do in general. Uh, I do have to say, every time you come on, you talk about being shadow banned. When you share our podcast, last time we got all the way up to the number two news and commentary podcast in the Dominican Republic. That's where you hail from originally. And uh, regardless of if they understand it, they love to hear your voice when you're on this show. So... I'm glad everybody. Yeah, we're giving everybody in the Dominican Republic a little taste of what America First really feels like. That's awesome. I I, I really like. Also, got really happy when you sent um, that the podcast is doing so well because you know I was sitting there and like like Noah said in like all garage days and it was such a really awesome uh, moment. We you know spare some some ribs and beer you know the very american way it's just very awesome and then that year not not long after you know i became a, a citizen as well and mm-hmm. like it's just even more special to to fight for this you know uh, and then now i'm thinking about what noah said and the in the mm, and uh and my is you know so i i'm gonna try to avoid that too <sighs> So unprofessional, man. I'm completely different in Spanish, man. I feel like that that show of the the I don't know Modern Family where they troll that woman, <laughs> Sofia Vergara one. Oh yeah. She's like, I sound more intelligent in Spanish. Hey. Spanish because we have we have just Spanish got her under the show clip. <laughs> Perfect. Geisha, I, don't, I don't sound intelligent in any language, so don't feel bad. <laughs> actually, no, you did a really good job today. You actually stepped out of your uh, color commentary mode and got into it. Because, listen, when the stuff pisses you off, you're, you're absolute fire as well. Mm. Antoinette? Yeah? You got a lovely uh, <laughs> stock avatar there. I'm going to bring one that looks like looks kind of similar so we can troll about it. Hey, listen, next time camera's on. I'll be on cam. Everyone that's not following you, Steak for Breakfast, we got a lot of new listeners to this show over the last month and and since the last time you've been on. Why don't you give out your social medias? We'll live link them in the show description today. Who, me? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I was distracted with Noah's thing trying to ask me to put the camera on again. I was looking at Noah too, laughing. Scheming. It, it seems like it's I'm a really, it seems like it's a really bad joke for the whole show. But these are two of the most attractive women in conservative news oh, right here, hands oh, yeah, down. Stop it! Let's <laughs> stop. Now I'm getting. This is too dark here. Okay, <laughs> and I was too lazy to put the camera on. But anyway, um, Geisha Montes. I don't know. You spell it yourself. No, just kidding. G e i s. I so hard. Just you know, you'll find it on other accounts because I'm tired of my own name. At this point, Keisha Montes. That's how you find me everywhere. I don't know, um, Twitter, Instagram, and you know, our true social as well. Kind of new there. She's out there. She's uh, not only bringing the fire commentary, good memes, decent news. She's, mm-hmm. eat, she's eating a lot of tasty treats as well. Oh, yeah. Follow her on social media. She's she's definitely well worth it. Geisha, my dear, have a good weekend. It's not Wednesday. I think it's, I I think it's already going to be Saturday over there. And we'll for, sure, we'll, we'll for sure catch up with you soon, dear. I love you guys. Take care and thank you so much. I'm glad that I was able to make it, even though, you know, it felt kind of gross. But always, you know, always here for the game. Bye, what? Antoinette. Bye, Noah. Bye, Ron. Later. Love you guys. Bye, dear. That's the most fun we've had in a while. What do you think, Noah? Oh, yeah. Antoinette, you had a blast today. Absolutely. And you know what? In a week where the news has been absolutely bananas, I think we kind of needed it. We may have shot up in the iTunes rankings, but uh, 
We were number one in the fun department this afternoon, and we brought you all those news narratives just right to end the week. You know what? If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to listen to the other 163 Steak for Breakfast podcasts, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podada, Google Podcasts, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on Roku, or even on Frank's Beach. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to our amazing guests who joined us today for the first time. Leora Levy, senatorial candidate out of Connecticut, America First, Trump endorsed, and then former Trump administration official, top staffer there, and assistant to the president, Theo Wald. And of course, our lovely guest host, Miss Geisha Montes. She's always welcome, well-loved on the show. In addition to them, some of our internet friends, Who White Memes, the Patriotic Babes accounts, Ultra Garbaggio, and Christina Bob Save America. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some cash at our partners, because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you make small American businesses great again. Speaking of which, my pillow, my bed, enough said. You enter promo code stake at checkout, you'll be getting one of those. They're not Mike Lindell shaped, but they might as well be. Oh, can you imagine? Bed apparati to make your bedroom great again. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website. If you want to get 25% off on the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and all things related to in-studio recording can be found at Odyssey. They're the best podcasting investment I've ever made. I highly encourage you do the same. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready gear holsters. If you want a picture of uh, Joe Biden's reaction to getting called an election stealer and pedophile, we'll take that and throw it on a conceal, Kydex, carry, holster. Get those orders out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. Noah told me that the man rubbed pork butt that I brought him was delish. Mm, that was good. Mm. I bought it, shook it, sprinkled it, rubbed it in, threw it into the uh, slow cooker, pulled it, put it in a Tupperware and brought it over to Noah's house. <laughs> I just don't use my slow cooker enough. I don't know why. <laughs> you know what? He ate it and then said, num, num, num. Oh. There we go. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs, firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. The newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to like the gear they've got going on on their website. You're going to like their Instagram a little bit more. MediocreMedic.com as such. And last but certainly not least... The home of the zero fuck stuck. You got to go out, treat yourself, get one. Still no ass Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Upcoming shows. We're circling back with, uh, well, it's been identified as the most flippable house seat in the country, supposedly. We'll talk to them all about it. America First candidate, great friend of the show, Kelly Cooper, Arizona 4, will be joining us on Tuesday. In addition to that, we're going to have an exclusive segment The Raw Egg Nationalist. Oh, and, nice. Nor- and Nor Bin Laden. Oh, double nice. Yeah. Gonna like it. We're, hey, we're just, this is like bringing back old steak for breakfast days with these guests. On the 6th of September, we'll be getting all the fallout from the Trump rally in Scranton Joe's hometown with Pennsylvania 8 Republican nominee, Trump endorsed Jim Bognett, and the official spokeswoman for the 45th president, Liz Harrington, will be here as well. Christina Bob will be in on the 9th. Devin Nunes will be here on the 20th, and Cash Patel will be joining us on the 23rd. In addition to that, we're still lining it up. Alina Habba, 
Harmeet Dillon. I talked to her yesterday. She's going to be joining us in September. Blake Masters, former acting secretary of defense Chris Miller, Vish Burra. Talked to him this morning. He's going to schedule next week. And Julie Kelly will all be joining us in September. Friends of the week, it's Friday. I got a pretty long list today. I obviously our Truth Social Twitch streamers, Beastie Man 420, CSM Master, American Nintendo, Siberian Kitty, and Burger Man. In addition to them, some call me Tim79, still sharing steak for breakfast content, and we have to give it to biggest downloads in the history of the show. One episode, Devin Nunes, Cash Patel. Thank you for all the shares for all the posts that we made. Let's check out some of our meme team right here. We've got Right Wing Savages 2.0, Real Brenda Memes. Ian Vega, Grand Old Memes, Truth on Draft 2.0, The Duke of Memes, Mostly Peaceful, The Real Meme DeLorean, Stolen Valor Forever, John Hacker LA, Hispanics for DeSantis, and the rest of the friend zone meme share. Guys, thanks to remember between now and Tuesday, a lot to take in uh, over the course of this week, and I'm sure we'll get everybody's commentary on the redactathon that is the affidavit on the weekend news show. We'll be bringing that all to you on Tuesday. Yeah, somebody got carpal tunnel from that shit. Do your own research. I think they have a redaction machine. You know what? Research it. They might have one. <laughs> Number two, start a podcast. Super easy today. Noah? Yeah, not bad. Like it. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We really didn't talk about it too much this week with all these America last policies that the Biden regime is shoving down our throat. However, do not worry, brother. The sun will shine on us again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 164 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back with episode 165. On Tuesday, Arizona 4, Kelly Cooper, the lovely Norbin Laden, and the Raw Egg Nationalists. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Ron. Noah. Later. Antoinette. Guys, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening, and take care. Kids, it's me, tu madre, Lois Griffin. Time for breakfast. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Lois, which is who you are. My wife, Lois. Hugging my wife. Package for Peter Griffin. Thank you, unknown delivery woman. Forget the freaking Emmy. If you touch her ass, I will... <gasps> Amazon. Hi, my uncle Alejandro lives in the Amazon. Do you think he has sent us shoes made from banana leaves? Boy, the, uh, the ethnic characters on these Emmy-winning shows aren't exactly rocket scientists, are they? I don't know what you're talking about, Liz Lemon. No, this is something I ordered. For me. I am a woman, and always have been. I've made plans to undergo surgery so my wang don't get in the way of the woman what I am. Ay, Dios mío! Lois, I'll still be a parent to our children. But now, I'll be a transparent. Oh. Get it? Transparent? Clever pun, right? Please honor me for my courage.